In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost, Amen. My dear faithful, we know that our Lord Jesus Christ had all power. He could do all things. And as such, when He went to work a miracle, He could decide to work the miracle in whatever way He wanted to work the miracle. Sometimes, for instance, our Lord wanted to work the miracle just by the use of words alone. When He raised Lazarus from the dead, He just said, Lazarus, come forth. But other times, He wanted to use actions. He wanted to do things in order to work in a miracle. And then still other times, He wanted to do both actions and the use of words. And this is what happens in the Gospel today. Our Lord performs certain actions. He doesn't need to, but He performs certain actions. He takes His fingers and He sticks them into the ears of a man who's deaf, who cannot hear. And then He does something that's very hygienically incorrect. We're very hygienically sensitive today, especially in a COVID era. But He he actually takes His own saliva and puts it in the mouth of the man who cannot speak. And he doesn't just do these things. He could have just done those things in order to cause the man to hear and to speak. But then he groans and he speaks a word. He says, be opened. And it's at that moment that the miracle takes place. That um, the channels of hearing are somehow opened in this man. So he has now the physical ability to hear. And as scripture says in its very sort of poetic language, the string of his tongue is loosened, like like his his tongue has been bound up, it's been rolled up, and now it's loosened, and it's able to roll out and speak words from the point that our Lord says, Be thou open. So this man, by the action of our Lord, receives the ability to hear and to speak. His senses are now operative. Now Holy Mother Church, in the baptismal ceremony, which, which I did even yesterday in, in Mandan, has the priest repeat the, this action of our Lord. Again, doing something quite hygienically incorrect for today, but to take his own saliva and to anoint the ears of the child to be baptized, and then anoint the nose of the child to be baptized. And in this case, the, the church is not asking the priest to perform a miracle, to give the, the, the power to hear to the child, But rather, the the priest is being asked to accomplish something spiritual. Because the child is born in the state of sin, the senses of its soul, as it were, are blocked. They're not able to receive divine grace. So the church asks the priest to somehow unblock the ears and the nose of the soul of the child by anointing the ears and the nose. And at that point... Well, especially at the, at the moment of, after, after those ceremonies are over and the priest pours the water of baptism on the child, then the waters of grace and the gifts of the Holy Ghost are able to flow into the soul. It's as if the, the, the cap or whatever was blocking the soul was taken off. St. Gregory the Great says that, that our Lord's fingers represent the gifts of the Holy Ghost. When our Lord puts His fingers into the ears, it's a symbol of the gifts of the Holy Ghost coming into our soul. And St. Gregory wants to prove this to us, and he, he does it in, in, a, in, a very, in a way that's very typical of the fathers of the church. He refers to other passages of Scripture. He says, look at what our Lord says when he casts out devils. 
He says, uh, on some occasions, he says, I've done this by the finger of God. If I, by the finger of God, have cast out devils, speaks of the finger of God. And at other times he says, by the Spirit of God. If by the Spirit of God, I have cast out devils. So, concludes St. Gregory, the finger of God and the Spirit of God are one and the same thing. Our Lord's fingers are like the gifts of the Holy Ghost. This opening of our soul to the infusion of divine grace and the influence of God, the movements of God on our soul, these inspirations of the Holy Ghost, is perhaps the most important thing for us in this life. Why are you here upon this earth? What is your mission? What are you meant to do? Well, you are meant to accomplish God's plans for you. God has a destiny for you. He has a roadmap laid out for your life. It involves supernatural activities. And God willing, it ends with you going to heaven. But you walking along that path depends upon your docility to the inspirations of the Holy Ghost. It depends on how well-tuned your soul is to the movements of God. Do you hear God when He speaks to you? We know how crippling it can be when someone is unable to hear. If, if you're trying to communicate to a deaf person, if you don't know sign language, and perhaps they're not able to read your lips, it's so hard, if not impossible, to communicate to them what you want to say. And they, on the other hand, have a difficulty communicating to you. Someone who is deaf is not able to hear the sounds of the English language. And because they're not able to hear those sounds, it's very hard for them to produce those sounds. We have to be able to hear the sounds in order to be able to imitate them. And if you speak with a deaf person, they, they sound very strange in their speech. Their speech sounds very strange because they're not reproducing the sounds of the English language in a way that is normal because they can't hear them. But as bad as that is for a human person, it's, it's much worse for a human person not to be able to hear the voice of God. As bad as it is not to be able to hear the voice of human beings, it's much worse not to be able to hear the voice of God, the inspirations of the Holy Ghost. The voice of other people help you learn, they help you do your job, or they help you um, make progress in this life. And those things are important. But it's much more important for you to be guided on the path of heaven and for that, you have to be able to hear the voice of God. As I say, this is something that's a lot more delicate and uh, a lot harder than hearing a human voice. It is the art of arts in our spiritual life to be able to detect the movement of grace in our soul, to be susceptible to the inspirations of God. And it's all the more difficult for us today because we live in a world that is so aloof from God, that is so distant from God. If people are religious, and there are many who are not religious today, if people are religious, they often see God as sort of a higher being who is there in order to confirm them in what they want to do, sort of to set a divine approval on my will. That's the purpose of God. Um, they have this perception that, that God really has no right to have a plan for us. He has no right to have commandments for us. He has no right to set this roadmap that I'm speaking about for our lives to direct us on a certain path. 
but that really his job is to say to us, good job doing whatever you want to do. The last thing they're thinking about is that God wants us to serve him by accomplishing supernatural acts during our lives and to promote the kingdom of God, not the kingdom of self, in this world. And so we just have this very naturalistic spirit today. We're, we're kind of, um, we've, we really struggle to live in the presence of God, to live on the supernatural level, because there's this suffocating environment that imposes this naturalism upon us. In the end, well, God's voice is not very loud. God is, is different from the devil. The, the devil is very violent with us. The devil shakes us and says, do what I want you to do. But God has a great respect for the free will that he has given us. The free will that we have, this great power to choose, comes to us from God. And so he's not going to force our free will. He works with us in a way that is very gentle, that is very quiet. It's a whisper. God's voice is not heard through the ears. It's heard rather through um, a sudden gentle impulse or enlightenment that we might have. Perhaps, I'm sure, if you think about it, you think about um, your life and certain times of prayer, what have you, you will have experienced this. That um, you've been praying, you were, you were praying about something before God, something that you're anxious about, you're not, yet you're not in a state of agitation, um, you're, you're not in, in a state of feverish excitement, but you're calmly considering something before God, you're praying to Him sincerely, you're focused, and then all of a sudden, your mind is enlightened. Very gently, the cloud lifts, and you perceive very clearly where the truth lies. Or you suddenly have this desire to do something, to do something good that you did not have before. You did not work yourself up into this desire. It's, it just appeared out of nowhere. This is the hand of God. This is a movement from the Holy Ghost. When the gifts of the Holy Ghost are working in us, it's different from the virtues. The performance of the virtues requires a lot of effort on our part. If you're trying to perform the virtue of prudence, for instance, you've got to think, you've got to reflect, you've got to turn things over in your mind in order to make a prudent decision. Or if you're trying to work on the virtue of temperance, you have to work hard with yourself and say, no, I can't have that chocolate bar. Or no, I shouldn't be watching this video. There's an effort, there's a great effort required upon your part. With the gifts of the Holy Ghost, they operate mainly through the action of God. It's God who works in you. It's God who works in you in a mode that is above the human mode. With the virtues, you're working in a human mode, but you're helped by grace. So there's, more, there's a lot of effort required. When you are under the inspiration of the Holy Ghost, when the gifts of the Holy Ghost are working, it's God who's pushing you. It's God who is uh, leading you in a certain direction. And this is why the gifts of the Holy Ghost are superior to the virtues. God's action in you is obviously going to be higher than your action in you. How do we make ourselves disposed for the gifts of the Holy Ghost? How do we sort of figuratively put out our antennae 
in order to receive those impulses, to, to be able to be moved by those impulses. Well, first of all, it is important that we have a certain unworldliness about us, that, that we not be immersed in material things. If we're going to be moved by a pure spirit, who is God, the Holy Ghost, then it's necessary for us to be spiritual. If we're completely material, if we're very materialistic, then we're not going to be attuned to spiritual things, and God is going to find it very difficult to move us in a spiritual way. The second thing that's important is our prayer life. It's so important that we have the habit of prayer, that we have a real prayer life, that we have the ability to kneel before God and actually address Him in a way that is focused and real, that, that, that we have this perception of the presence of God, we're focused on Him alone, and we've, we've cut out those other distractions. Our prayer is real. If we're able to do those two, two things, if we're able to be detached from the world, and we're able to pray in a listening attitude in the presence of God, then we can perhaps sometimes detect that movement of God. And God will move us in a certain direction. And this is very, very precious. Because God is doing the work for us in leading us towards our end. just want to give an example um, of some of the gifts of the Holy Ghost. Often they're, they're confusing. There are four gifts that concern the intellect that can especially be confusing. But let's just take a, um, an example. Sometimes I think about, you know, we, I, I come across many people who come to the traditional Mass. They, they come from the Novus Ordo, and they all have their own journey. But when a person is exposed to the traditional Latin Mass for the first time, and in a sense, it, it is a test of their sensitivity to spiritual things because of the fact that traditional Mass is objectively much more worshipful, much more reverent to God than the Novus Ordo Mass. If when they come, they have a certain inclination towards it, or they, they have an immediate appreciation for it. Perhaps that is, it is a sign that they are docile to the movements of the Holy Ghost. But let's just say you're in a situation, or somebody's in a situation, where they're going to the traditional Mass, and then the modo proprio comes out, traditionis custode, and the, the Latin Mass is shut down. And they, they have to make a decision. What do I do? Um, there's, there's various options, and... Am I going, if, let's just say the traditional Mass is, uh, the, the, is now an hour and a half away for them, and they have to make a decision. Do I go to the Novus Ordo Mass that is five minutes away? Um, do I stay home and not go to any Mass? Or do I make that effort to drive an hour and a half? Well, how would the gifts of the Holy Ghost work on such a person the four gifts, I'm just going to go over the four gifts <clears throat> that correspond to the mind. There are two gifts that correspond to the will, fortitude, and piety. And there's one gift that corresponds to our emotions, the emotion fear, <clears throat> and that's fear of the Lord. But there are four gifts that correspond to our intellect. First of all, understanding. The gift of understanding enlightens our minds so that we're able to understand the truths of the faith. It's a perception of the truth of the faith in a deep way. Say this person who is making this judgment has a deep understanding of what the Mass is. They know what the Mass is. 
um, the, the, the renewal of the sacrifice of Calvary. Um, they know what the act of redemption is. Going into their decision, God has been working on them in the course of their life since they penetrate the truths of the faith very deeply. Then the gift of wisdom concerns judgment. It's not about the perception of the truth, but it's about judging about something. The gift of wisdom is um, where we are moved to start with God when we make judgments. When, when we, we want to decide um, on a, a speculative truth, whether it's true or not, um, we should start with God. And, and when we're under the influence of the gifts of the Holy Ghost, we do that. So the person who is in the situation, and they're wanting to make a judgment as where they will go to Mass, if they have wisdom, they're going to start their consideration with looking at God, considering God. The gift of counsel is when we are able to see speculatively what is the best for us to do before God. Um, what should I do? And this person considering it um, would, pro- would perhaps come to be moved by God to make this judgment by the gift of counsel. I need to attend the traditional Latin Mass at all costs. This is definitely what I need to do. And then finally, the fourth gift that concerns our intellect is knowledge. And knowledge concerns the way in which you go about executing that judgment. You decided, I know I need to go to the traditional Mass at all costs. How am I going to go about executing that judgment? Um, you might be moved through this gift of knowledge to move to a place, for instance, that has a traditional mass or even the daily traditional mass. Um, or they might be moved by the gift of knowledge to drive that hour and a half to, to get to the traditional mass. So, as I say, my dear faithful, this docility to the Holy Ghost, this ability to follow the inspirations of the Holy Ghost, to detect the movements of God, those gentle movements of God upon our soul, is the art of arts in our spiritual life if we are to go towards God and accomplish what we're meant to accomplish. The fathers compare it to rowing. The virtues are like us rowing as opposed to putting up your sail and letting the breath of the Holy Ghost push you along without any effort on your own part. So let us be careful to know what it means to open our spiritual senses to the inspirations of God, have the, the, the ears of our soul and, the, and the, the nose of our soul open to the inspiration of God by drawing away from material things, by really committing ourselves to prayer. And if, if we do this, if we um, develop this ability to be led by the finger of God throughout our life, then we will accomplish so many things for God Um, while we are here on this earth, and then, of course, be able to enjoy the presence of God for all eternity. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Amen.